Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. All right. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good. You sound good. I love worshiping with you guys. We've been in a series for the last few weeks called No Plan B. Uh, it's an annual vision series that we do. So if you're new to our church, you haven't been around here very long, it's a great time to be here because you're going to get to hear what's important to us, what we believe the Lord has asked us to do as a church. Uh, and today, specifically, we're going to talk about the mission of New Life Church, the mission that we believe that God has given us. I want to tell you about some of the things that I love the most being in ministry. I, I, love, I love seeing people engage in worship for the first time. And, uh, and sometimes that's a process, but I like watching the process happen. And, uh, and just, you know, like I'll, 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 I'll kind of creep on some of you during worship from time to time, okay? Don't, don't get weirded out. It is a little weird, but don't get weirded out. But I, I love watching this progress because a lot of times people come in and I will say, you know, depending on your church background, how you were raised, you might've come from a very different church than, than who we are. So sometimes when people first come in, it is like a cow staring out a new gate, like what is going on? What is this? Well, I've never seen anything like this before. And, but then you, you watch this progression and, you know, and, and I love watching how it works where, you know, sometimes it's like, we'll start a little like tap on the back of the chair in front of you, you know? All right. But I love that progression where eventually it might be like, okay. But you're still kind of like watching and see like people looking at me right now. But eventually you move to hold my baby. What size fish did you catch? Mufasa, goalpost, you know, it, but eventually what I love watching is people, they don't care what anybody's thinking. You're just so thankful for Jesus. You're so thankful for what he's done in your life that you just worship him with everything that you have. And I love watching people get to that point. I love watching people respond to altar calls and getting their life right with God. And whether it's through salvation or rededication or coming down and letting people pray for them, I love watching that. I love water, watching water baptisms, being a part of water baptisms. It, water baptisms is powerful. I love especially when a full family makes this decision, you know, they all get in the tank together and just them all saying, man, we're all doing this together. We want everybody to know we're gonna follow Jesus no matter what. I love watching that. I love watching people encounter the Holy Spirit. Like, like his gifts, the supernatural part of who he, who he is and how he operates, that his gifts are still active and moving and working. And, and man, when people experience him, I love it. I love seeing teams of people going on missions trips and I, I love watching the pro the process and the progress through pictures on social media and all that. I love seeing 
our teams go out and do outreach. And I love see, seeing us being active, moving. I love seeing people be used by God. I love watching other people be used by God more than I like being used by God. I love seeing people get it. I love watching us in motion, following God, giving, sacrificing, serving. Nothing comes close to the feeling of being used by God. There's nothing like it. And if you've never had that feeling of being used by God, I'm sad for you. The truth is this, he wants to use you. He wants to use you. But there is a qualification. God says you must be usable. You gotta be willing. You need to know that God has never made anything without a reason. There has never been anything that God has made without a reason. And I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. Fruit flies, mosquitoes, gnats. Like sometimes like God, what? What's your purpose? But the fact is, everything that he's made has a reason. Recently, they discovered a new tribe, a new tribe, undiscovered people living off the banks of the Amazon River, which is just crazy to me that they're still discovering people groups. But they are. And so when they got into this village, they brought camera crews in there, and they found this lady who had trained these monkeys and she trained them that through hand signals and, and different sounds, she trained them to go and do things. Like she can make a hand signal and a sound and a monkey would go and, and get her a meal or, or go and fetch her something. So I was watching and I was thinking, I think I'd like to bring my kids in. And, and I think I'd like them to watch this. Because if those monkeys can help around the house, surely you monkeys can help around the house. But the fact is, God created those people for a reason. They have value. And even though we're just discovering them, God's always known. By name, the most intricate details of who they are. And they have a purpose. They have a reason. God told Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. This speaks to the sanctity of life, if nothing else, but it's the reality for all of us. This wasn't just for Jeremiah. This is what God says to his people. You weren't born without a reason. There's a reason why you're alive and God didn't bring you to New Life Church just so you can enjoy how we do church. God brought you here for some of you to be saved, for some of you to be healed, for some of you to be set free. And the reason why those things happen is so that you can also be equipped to do what you are called, purpose, and created to do. And there's no greater feeling than that. And no greater time 
than right now, right here in the last days. That is a reality. Unfortunately, too many people never get to experience that feeling. They never do. Why? Because the truth is the call of God on your life is not automatic. You must choose it. You have to choose it. In Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is Holy Spirit strategy that the gospel would expand in influence, expand in reach, in ministry, in sphere of influence, stretching to the whole world. And Acts 1.8 is the thesis of the entire book of Acts. In chapters 1 through 7, it's all the things happening in Jerusalem. In chapters 8 through 11, all the things happening in the region, Judea and Samaria. And in chapters 12 through 28, the whole world. And today, the Holy Spirit is still keeping his church on the same page. That we would look at our opportunity, look at our assignment, our purpose, the same way. That we start with the needs and the place that he's put us. But then we never just stop there, that we begin to lift up our eyes and see that the harvest is plentiful, but there's few workers. And so I wanna do that. We'll start with looking at the world and then we'll fly and drive back to where we live right here. The world. What's our mission? What are we doing around the world? Well, you can know this just off the top, 10% of all of our operational budget goes directly to foreign missions from across our state. All of our campuses give that. Here's some of the biblical mandate. Acts 13, 47. I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Psalm 97, 1. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let distant shores rejoice. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is happening exponentially right now. Globalism, just the ability to communicate. These unreached people groups, people groups that haven't heard the message of Jesus every day, more and more of them are being exposed to the gospel. And that's part of what has to happen before Christ's return. The opportunity for every people in every language to hear the gospel. So we are a church with no borders. We're not gonna live in the, in the safety of our four walls. We're gonna make sure that we understand the global need for the gospel. And there's rarely a month or even a week that goes by where there isn't a team from one of our campuses on mission trips somewhere in the world. In fact, there's a team in Cuba right now. Next week, there's another team going out from Peru. And the cool thing about being a part of a big vision with lots of campuses is when these teams are going out from different campuses, any one of you could join one of those teams and go on any one of those trips. Last I heard, there's over 40 teams going out this year all over the world. We're gonna be in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, Latin America. 
Lots of different kinds of trips, but all focused towards the Great Commission and preaching the gospel. So for us specifically, what's on our heat map is the country of Cuba, because this is a very strategic time for that country. There's a door of opportunity that if we can be faithful and obedient and led by the Spirit, that whole nation can be turned around. And we've had teams, many teams going there to help pastors who are already on the ground in those churches. And one of the ways that we're able to get our foot in the door is by bringing resources, just needed things that are within that country. It's a communist nation. And so we're gaining favor with leaders and government workers because we're willing to bring resources that can help the people. Ultimately, what we would like to have there is a city serve type element. And I'll talk more about that, where we have warehouses around Cuba where we're gathering resources that we can then distribute through the local churches to help the needs of the people in that country. It's a communist nation, but right now it's kind of like soft communism, meaning there's an open door. One of the, reason, one of the things we're doing is we're bringing as many copies of the word of God that we can with us every time we go in there. So we've brought digital copies, hard copies, we're bringing the word of God, as many Bibles as we can, because we know if the communist government there begins to start locking down control again, all of that will be cut off. We won't be able to do it anymore. But what we're believing is if we can be obedient and we can be faithful and intentional, we'll get our foot in the door and it will never return to communism. It'll be turned around for the glory of God. It can become a Christian nation. We re we're believing for that. And there's a great move that's happening there. So what do we need? Well, we need our people to continue to go and serve. Pastor Tim is gonna be leading a, a team from our campus, specifically at the end of May. We wanna build a big team to go on that trip. We also need you to continue to pray that we have divine flow with government leaders. What we need is kind of like favor on the down low. Like, hey, I'll, I'll open the back door for you so you can get in here and do this work. And we have that kind of favor. We need prayer that that continues to happen and more doors open. When the time is right, we're gonna need some of you to help us financially to support the team that goes. And then we always need every person in our church to pray if nothing else, pray. My heart would be that every single person in our church gets a chance to go on a foreign missions trip at one point or another, from the youngest to the oldest. I think for us to have God's heart for people, for us to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in other places, Sometimes the only way that's gonna happen is for us to go there. There might be a few of you that that's just not possible, it'll never happen, and I know that you'll do everything that you can from here to support those efforts. But if it's at all possible, I would want every person in our church to go on a foreign missions trip. It's that important to us. Let's talk about national. Judea and Samaria, our Judea and Samaria. A couple of things that God has called our church to be on the front lines of for our nation First of all, stateside missions, stateside missions. I do think it's important that people go on foreign missions. I think it'll wreck your world, it'll change your perspective, it'll get you so far out of your comfort zone that you'll see the kingdom of God in a way that you would have never have seen it otherwise. But the fact is this, we got plenty of missions trips that can happen right here in our nation to people that need Jesus, that need help, that need support. And so we're gonna continue to do that. Pastor Ricky's gonna lead our youth on a trip in March. They've gone a couple of years and there's just some very impoverished, hard hit areas from previous hurricanes that have just never been able to recover. There's a lot of needy people down there and they just go down and serve. They distribute goods, they help organize donated clothes. They just go and love on people. 
We're going to continue to do things like that and visiting the dream centers in L.A. and Baton Rouge and places like that. But we're also very involved, and I'm sorry that I don't always bring attention to this, but we're very involved as a church in church planning. So there is an organization that we're a part of that, that Pastor Rick, our lead pastor, helps start. It's called the ARC, Association of Related Churches. It is a church planting, church resourcing organization. New Life Church was the first ARC plant. We were the first church. And basically, all the churches that are part of the ARC, they give a percentage of their income, it's 2%. That 2% goes directly to the ARC to help plant churches across the country. And we've been doing that now for 23 years. We've been helping plant churches all over the country. Okay, so to date, through New Life Church, in other our churches, we've planted 1,097 churches across our nation. You can give God some glory for that. But here's, here's the thing that's important too. There's a 92% success rate with those churches, okay? Which is unheard of. That means 92% of the churches that the ark plants, they make it. They're successful. Just this last year, the ark was able to plant 63 churches in 2022, and in 2023 alone, 40 more churches. And that's huge post-COVID. Post-pandemic, that's, that's huge. And we're gonna continue to give to those things. All told, all those, all those churches together have given over $50 million to foreign missions. $50 million. And we're a part of that. So every time you give, every time you tithe, 2% of our operational budget is going into to planning more churches. Local, Jerusalem. I, t- I mentioned CityServe. What is CityServe? I've talked about it before, but basically it's a warehouse. It's a place, but it's a ministry. And big box stores every year, they're required, if they wanna get tax benefits and tax write-offs, they have to donate a certain amount of their goods to some sort of organization or they have to destroy it. And it's been difficult for these stores like Costco, Best Buy, Some of those stores, it's been difficult for them to find organizations that they could trust that if they donated those items, that they were gonna be used for what they're intended to be used for. So City Service started in California and now it's it's spread to to many states across the nation where 18-wheel trucks will come in with pallets of items, pallets of resources. And a lot of times we don't even know what are on the pallets, but they're just being donated we bring them to our warehouse down in Little Rock. We unpack them. We have our addiction recovery team, M18. Those guys work that warehouse. It's a part of their recovery and a part of their ministry. So those guys are down there. They're organizing that warehouse. They have building materials. They have furniture. They have a lot of different stuff. They have stuff that we just really honestly have to get really creative in how we're gonna use it. Like how do we use 14 kayaks for ministry? Some of you are like, I need some ministry right now. I really, really do. This- I love the Buffalo River. But we did have an idea. What if, what if we had a foster ministry, a foster care ministry, where we had people that were mentoring those kids from inside our church, and one day we took all those kids out and took them on a float trip down the Buffalo and give them an experience they've never had before. Okay, so there's stuff like that. That's a real idea. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm gonna get to how it might happen. So we have that warehouse. And then we create partnerships with local churches all over the state. 
And as we create partnerships with them, they put in orders of items that they need. Sometimes it's beds. It's crazy how many kids get put into the foster system just because they didn't have a bed. So we, we take care of those kinds of needs, all right? So then those churches drive from all over the state, come in, we load up a truck, they take it back, everything is accounted for, everything's written down, and they distribute those goods into their communities. So as of this year, as of this year, 2023, we've been able to distribute $7,798,277 worth of good and service all over our state through churches. We have partnership with 246 churches in 82 cities across the state of Arkansas. All of that started through New Life Church, through CityServe, through us giving and supporting it. Two big things for us locally. We have to meet the needs of our community. So one of the things, it's more of just a general plea. We need to get behind our student and children ministries like we've never been before. There is an all-out war for this next generation. You can see it. But there is such a stirring in them. Their testimonies, watching their faith, their involvement, their love for the word, their commitment to the things of God in a culture that is completely turned against God. God is going to move in them and through them and in their homes and in their schools, but we have got to get behind them and support them. So I would encourage you to do this, if nothing else. You got to get your students around our student pastors. These are amazing, mighty men and women of God. They love the Lord and they love your students. But I need you to make it a priority to be committed to the body of Christ and to the places where they can be discipled and encouraged and supported. And you've got to have that on a much higher priority than some of the other things that the rest of our culture are driving after and running after. That needs to happen. But for us specifically, in order for us to continue to grow and do the things that God has called us to do, we're gonna need more space for our kids. One of the first places that we always feel pressure as far as growth is in our kids' areas. And that is because if there is one thing that families are good at in Cabot, it is having kids. Y'all are nailing it. We are growing the kingdom of God, one baby at a time, okay? But, but even when we have space in this room, we're growing at a much faster rate back in there in our kids' areas. Okay, so you're like, well, that's a good thing, right? Well, let me paint a picture for you. So if you're here and you love our church and, and you know how incredible our little life and kid life leadership teams are and how those kids are not just back there, you know, getting goldfish thrown at them and just trying to tide them over, tell mom and dad, come and pick them up, but they're getting prayed over, they're getting the word of God spoke to them, they're being encouraged, they're being discipled. We're helping, we're partnering with you and making sure that we're raising them up to be mighty men and women of God. We know that, and if you've been here, you know that, and if you don't know it, you need to know that. But the reality is this, if a new family shows up and they don't know any of that, they don't have any context, and they go to check in their three-year-old and there's 37 three-year-olds in that room, I promise you there will be hesitancy that they feel that it's gonna be safe 
that everything's going to be okay. And the reality is families could come and then go or families could leave our church because of that. So we have to make room. But not only do we need to make room for the kids that are here, that are going to continue to come, but we also have to make room for families with kids with special needs. It's one of the most unmet needs in our community. Okay? Here's the reality. The reality is this, and I've shared this. Our son Corbin is on the spectrum, okay? He's very high-functioning. Don't try to pull anything over on him. He's probably smarter than you, okay? But... But we understand what it's like when you're working through things. When in reality, they're so, they're beautiful. They're fearfully and wonderfully made and God is gonna use them in their own way to do incredible things. But they're gonna need some special attention. And there are so many families that have never been to church because there wasn't a space where they felt that the properly trained people with the proper equipment and the proper environment was gonna be there that they could drop their kids off and have total peace to be able to go into a sanctuary. I think this is, this is a reality. And some of, some of y'all have done this. I had a family come up and admit to me that they've done this before. We will have families come and just drop off their kids and leave them in our children's ministry and then leave the property. Like, man, this is an awesome date time. You know what? And, and sometimes we find out about it. You know what? I don't have any issue with it because we're gonna get those kids. We're gonna get their heart. We're gonna get them turned on to Jesus and then they're gonna go get mommy and daddy and drag them to church. It's gonna happen, okay? Well, so we've got people, I guarantee you, we got people with kids with special needs that that right now, they're not thinking anything about God. They're not thinking about the word. They're not thinking about anything other than how do we survive? How do we take care? And if they found out that there was a church on a Sunday where they could bring their kids, they may not even come into this sanctuary at first to hear anything. But I promise you, if they come long enough, the spirit of God is gonna get a hold of them. And I guarantee you there are dozens of families that we could win for the kingdom of God just by providing this space. So this is how we're going to address it, okay? I believe that God has given us the best idea to address the need immediately because we need to make this move soon. We need to make it soon because of the growth, but we need to make this soon because of the urgency in our soul of the needs of these families with kids with special needs. It needs to happen sooner and later. So let me show you. We got a, a picture of the backside of the building, okay? So um, where that yellow circle is, I actually made this graphic. I know, I know, I know. It took me a while to figure out where to find that yellow circle in my little app. Uh, but add graphic designer to my resume. Uh, so I got that going for me. That, that space is right here, back here on the northwest corner of our, our building, okay? So it used to be a playground area, but we built a new playground across that street there. So this is where we're going to add this space. This is where we're going to expand it. And here's the floor plan for it. Okay. Again, the yellow circle. Yeah, I did it not once, but twice. So uh, cannot take credit for the architecture work there or the, 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 I can't do any of that, but, but I did make the yellow circle. Okay. So that is the space about 4,600 square feet. 
all right? And this is preliminary, so the, 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 the walls may move a little bit depending on what we feel is the adequate amount of space. The bigger room would be our new Kid Life space. The room right next to that would be our Kid Life Plus space, okay? So a room fully equipped, set up to do our best to take care of these, these families with kids with special needs. And then we'll have a, a hallway that we'll build in, and then right below that, that's where our current Kid Life space is, that then we'll transition to make a couple more classrooms so that we can continue to meet the needs of all of our little life age kids, okay? So, so that's the plan. It's new construction and then a remodel, okay? Now, I don't know if anybody has been trying to build anything lately, but if you've been trying to build anything lately, you broke because it's very, very expensive right now. Okay, so this project, if we, with everything, turnkey, all the equipment, everything is about $1.5 million. That's what it'll cost. That's the cost of building, okay? It's about 1.2 in construction cost, and the rest of that is everything that we'd need to put in it, okay? So FF and EAV, all the equipment for the special needs room, and, that's, and that equipment is very expensive, okay? but we want, to do the, we want to do it to the best of our ability, okay? But here's the thing. We have families in this church that have continued to faithfully give above and beyond their tithe towards vision. On a, on a tithe and offering envelope, online, however you give, there's always an option for vision. And what vision is, it's things like this. It's building projects. It, it, it's, it's the physical needs that we need to add to be, continue to, to, to meet the vision that God's given us, Okay. And we've had faithful people continue to give that even when they're not sure exactly how it's going to be used. They've just continued to give to it. So because of those people, because of so many of you, we already have $800,000 in cash right now, okay? So yeah, you can give a hand. Some of y'all, some of y'all, listen, you're, you're able to step into something and sit on the shoulders of some people that have been carrying for a long time. And the fact is, I don't mind carrying you for a little bit, but a little bit of what today is about is you getting off the shoulders and starting helping to shoulder some of it yourself. We need that. So that's where we're at, to be able to do that. But in addition to all of our annual outreach events, thanks servings coming up, Christmas Mall, our serve day, the disaster relief work that inevitably comes, we're also praying about and planning how we can meet one of the biggest needs in our state and especially in our surrounding counties, and that's foster care. There are currently 3,886 children and, and youth in our foster care system in Arkansas. The average in Lone Oak County alone is 100, but currently they have 63 kids as of October 1st that need a home. Eight babies, 14 toddlers, 18 school-aged children, six to 12 years old, and 23 teenagers that need a home. I think the church probably has to repent for that. We have families in our church that have fostered and adopted their heroes. True religion, what is it? You take care of orphans and you take care of widows. Okay, well, the goal of foster or foster ministry 
is to hopefully be able to get kids back with their biological parents. That's the hope. We want that to happen, okay? And that's why we partner with the state. We partner with whoever we have to to try to get them training, to try to get them whatever they need so that those kids can come back in their homes. But the reality is a lot of times they're gonna have to go to a different home. And it may be for a short amount of time, it may be for a really long time, and a lot of times they need to be adopted. So one of the things that we're praying about, first of all, we're gonna partner with the call. That's a done deal. Um, How we partner with the call, we're still working on. But but we're we're gonna put a lot into this but we believe that God is giving us some ideas of ways that every single person in our church can be involved in this ministry, even if you don't wind up becoming a family who fosters. There's so many different ways that we can be involved with taking care of these kids. And we're gonna do everything we can to do that. I'm gonna wrap up with two points. How do we accomplish this mission? First of all, you gotta have generous eyes. And this starts in your heart. You gotta have generous eyes. Our God is a giver. That's his nature. For God so loved the world that he gave. And once Jesus is really the Lord of our lives, then we will begin losing self-interest and become interest in others. Think about this, six of the nine fruit of the spirit is about other people, not about us. It's not about me, it's not about you. So when it comes to money, here's one way that I think you could split your income. What is for worship, what is for needs, and what is for wants. But that order has to be there in that order. Because if you don't do this, You will lose generous eyes and you will begin to worship your wants. Because you can tell what you worship based on what you spend your time and money on. That's what you really worship. In John 6, verse 5, it says, Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have one bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far can it go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those to those who were there seated as much as they wanted, and then he did the same with the fish. We know this story. We saw it on flannel boards in Sunday schools growing up. But what's the point? The point is in that culture, they only counted men. But there was probably 20 to 30,000 people, probably the largest crowd that was ever there to hear Jesus. This boy wasn't even counted, but his gift was. His gift was. Why is that important? He became the most famous boy in history but I wonder how many of you feel like your gift just doesn't count. Like it's not very much. How could it even make a difference? The issue is not the amount. It's whose hands you put it in that matters. 
And if you put it in the hands of a capable God, it is amazing to see when you give to Jesus and you give to his bride, how he will take what little you give and he will extend it and multiply it just like Jesus did. He'll do it. I've watched it over and over and over again in my own life, but in the body of Christ. And NLC is a loaves and fish kind of church. We have been since day one. There are no sugar daddies paying bills around here. It's been faithful men, faithful families, widows bringing their mites. Some of the most faithful people in our church, the most generous eyes are single parents who have a lot on their plate, but they refuse to stop trusting God. Proverbs eleven twenty four, the message translation or commentary on this verse. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. That is so true. The second thing, you gotta bring the tithe. So I'm gonna read a portion of scripture. If you've been around church very long at all, you've heard this and you've heard this around the subject of giving. I'm just gonna ask that you change the way that you view it. That even right now, the Holy Spirit would give you generous eyes as we read through this scripture in Malachi chapter three, verse eight. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? You ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for it to be stored. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then the testimony comes. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I don't know about you. I would like that to happen in my land. I'd like that to happen. I'd like that to happen. I know it's happening in my home, but I want it to happen in my Jerusalem. Cabot, our community. I want it to happen in my Judea and Samaria, in our nation. I want it to happen. So here's what I want for you. For you. I want you to live away from the curse and the closed window and under the blessing and open window, window of heaven. That's what I want for you. But at one point or another, your faith has to grow feet to move. You've got to put action behind this. Let's be honest. How many of you right now, you're driving around a vehicle that there is some sort of indicator light on on the dash? Let's just be honest in here. How many of us? Look at all of us. Look, just look how irresponsible we are. Now, here's the deal. A lot of you, it's perpetually your gaslight. And I want you to know that these are people of faith. <laughs> Look, if, if it's not below E, you're not trusting God. <laughs> Amen. But there's some other lights on that dash that are a lot more serious than a gas light. And those lights come on. And 
And it's like, I'm just going to keep hoping it turns out. Hope everything's okay. It's very disconcerting when I get a picture of a light from the dash of one of the ladies in my house. What's this one mean? (laughs) I'm like, oh, goodness. But the truth is there's some indicator lights, man. You can drive with them on for a really long time and maybe nothing will happen. But I want you to know this, not giving is an indicator light that you have lost confidence that God will take care of you. And you're driving around with it on. And maybe you'll be fine. But I don't know about you, but when I'm driving around with indicator lights on, I don't have peace. I'm always thinking, some of y'all can care less, like, it's a lot like Christmas. I like how it all, it's all pretty up there. But any of us that need a vehicle to continue to work, we worry. I got to get that looked at. Oh, it's on again. Your giving can be an indicator light of your trust in God. God wants you to test him in this. Your resource cannot be your source. Your source is God. But God says the tithe is mine. It's not an offering. You can't even give the tithe. It's bringing back to God what he's already carved out as his worship. So recently my, my Jeep broke down. I found out I had to replace the engine, okay? Don't worry, it worked out. We cast sacred lots to decide which kid's not going to college and the Lord gave us direction and, and we've made it, we've, they weren't gonna make it anyway. And, uh, and so, but it was, gonna take, it was gonna take a few weeks for my Jeep to get fixed. And so, so the Ginzels right over here, awesome family in our church, they, they knew that I needed a vehicle so they let me borrow a car that they had. They let me borrow a car. And they said, however long you need it. It was such a blessing. It was such a blessing, okay? So my, my Jeep, it, it has a new engine. It won't start still, but it has a new engine. And so we're making steps, people. Come on. Jeep, just empty every pocket. Come on. Uh, so, so but, but my Jeep got fixed. And so, I, so imagine if I did this. Imagine if I drove that car back over to the Ginzels and I pulled up to their house and and they came out of the house and I got out and I got a little emotional, you know? And I had the key in my hand. I walked over there and I said, hey guys, you know what? I just feel led. I wanna give you a car. They would have been worried that that their pastor from Colorado went back to his roots. I can't give them their car. It's their car. It's the same thing with the tithe. I can't ever be like, I just, I bring it. I return it. It's not mine. It's never mine. You bring it and you don't even look at it. The word talks about the first fruit. You don't even consider it. You don't look at it because this is what I've learned. If you look at it, you're gonna eat it. What do I mean? Well, this is how it typically works, okay? Let's say that this this apple is, you see how I did that? Don't mess with me. (laughs) 
let's say this apple represents your tithe. Okay? So you, so you got your tithe. God, I love you. I'm so excited to bring you this. This, oh man, that's actually kind of a lot of money. That's tough. I need tires. I'm going to put that aside for that. All right. So, not pretty good still. But you know, I have not gone on a vacation in way too long. I'm going to need that for that. Oh, and you know what? Baby girl needs to get in some dance lessons. She was born with two left feet. God bless her heart. Oh, Junior, he needs a new travel ball uniform. Man, that always hits just the wrong time, but maybe it can come out of this. And you know what? Seven brew just always gets you, doesn't it? I mean, I've got to have my $7 coffee every day. How am I going to survive? I love you, Jesus. I love you so much. I'm not trying to manipulate your emotions. I'm just giving you a picture of what happens. Whatever your priority is, it'll be clear what your priority is. It's clear. You know what? It's between you and God. But again, it's not what God wants from you. It's what he wants for you. It's not what our church wants from you. It's what we want for you. If you don't get this basic principle, it's gonna be hard for you to get what God has for you. Because he's, he's just saying, I mean, I'm hearing, I'm seeing, but I'm not, it's not, it's not showing up. When Cody and I got married, I went into full-time ministry right away. I don't necessarily suggest it, but it, it can happen. And when I went into ministry, I was getting paid 650 something dollars a month from the church I was working at, okay? And, and this is in 2001, 2002, so, you know, it's still not a lot of money. And we're surviving on that. So eventually Cody did get a job, but, but we made the decision. It doesn't matter if it's 600 or 6,000 or 60,000, we're gonna tithe for sure. And for 21 years, we have tithed. We have never missed. If we missed, it was an accident and we made up for it as soon as we found out that it didn't hit. And I just wanna tell you this. I have never missed a penny of it. It is the greatest investment that we have ever made, ever. I've never sat around thinking, man, think about all the stuff I could have. No, never. It's one of the greatest joys. Being a part of that. And some of you are acing this. 
keep on. Keep on. It's worth it. Maybe some of you have gotten a little bit erratic with it. Just get with God. Just get with God. And some of you need to take that step of surrender, trusting him. Why? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. See if any of this sounds familiar. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient of their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And when you read through all that, you think, yeah, that's the world and that's culture. But then you get to this last part, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. He's talking to the church. That's why we've got to be obedient with this so we don't participate in any of that other stuff. A strong church in the end times is a church that commits and longs to be supernaturally generous. And they bring the tithe. So some of you, you need to move from nowhere to somewhere. What I mean by that is the word is clear on 10%, the tithe. But start somewhere. Start with 1%, start with 2%, start somewhere, start trusting God. And I know that I can say that because I know that if you start with 2%, it's not gonna stay at 2% because you're gonna begin to see the truth of his word manifest in your life. You will see it. And most of the people in our church, they don't stop at 10. They give above and beyond. Above and beyond. Some of you need to move from somewhere to the tithe. And then some of you need to move from tithe to generosity. Like where we're really making a difference. At our campus alone, about 40% of our people give. That's actually not a, a bad percentage compared to a lot of churches. But I want you to consider this. Look at what God has allowed us to do with 40% of the people in our church giving. Imagine what we could do for the kingdom of God if it was 50, if it was 60, if it was 70. Good God Almighty, 90, 95. The fact is, there will always be a percentage of our church that's not giving. You know who they are? New people. And we understand that. New believers, we don't expect that they understand these principles right away. We understand that it takes some time if you're gonna trust a church. But the people that say, this is my home, this is my church, this is my family. What if all of those people were giving? We can make a difference. I love you people. Again, I'm so thankful for the people that continue to trust. They're faithful. I want God's goodness. I want God's best for every person in our church. I'm just asking you to pray about it. So 
we have these cards on all the chairs, what would be the most helpful thing would be that we get one of these from every family. Okay? If we can get it from more than a couple of people then in each family, that's great. But one from every family. And what this helps us do, first of all, it just helps us see where, our, our, where you're at, where our church is at. How healthy is it? Where are people spiritually? Okay? It helps us pastor you better by having this information. Okay? But there is also an opportunity on there towards the bottom that says my giving. And for you just to tell us where you're at with that. Just be honest. I promise we're not going to stalk you. I promise we're not going to, we're just not that. If you don't know that about us, I'm sorry, but we're just not that kind of church. We don't put weird pressure on people with this stuff. We just tell you what God's word says and say, get with God and let us know what he told you. So get with God. And if you feel led to give to vision, if you feel led to give above and beyond your tithe, right there at the bottom, I will give, and then whatever the amount is, and then tell us the frequency, weekly, monthly, yearly, to support the vision, okay? That's so that we can do this expansion, continue to look at other ways that we can grow and meet the needs of our city and community. And then you give us the total of what you feel led to give. And we'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. So I would encourage you, Unless you just know, like God told you, dropped it in your spirit right now, what you need to do, what you're going to give, then great. But I would prefer that you go and pray about it. You get with your family. Get your kids involved with this kind of stuff. You know what will help change and turn the next generation? Them seeing what real generosity looks like. Their parents leading the way with it. So do that, and then you let us know. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. One of the most important things we do as a church is offer an opportunity for salvation. And there might be a couple people right, right now that you know, you recognize that you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. You're away from him. You know because you don't have peace. You have no confidence about your eternal existence. Like if you died this afternoon, do you know for sure where you would go? And there might be some of you that you thought that you had a relationship with him, but you, you're just away from him. You, don't, you feel disconnected from him. And either way, it's time to come back. It's time to surrender. And the way that you have a relationship with God is through his son, Jesus, who paid the price on the cross for your sin that you couldn't pay. And it's that price paid for your sin that cleans your heart and allows you to come before a holy God. And you need that forgiveness the way that you walk out the life and purpose that we've been talking about is by being surrendered to him. And so if you're here and you know that you need to call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to surrender to him. I want everybody to keep their eyes closed. But if that is you, I want you just to admit it. The word says, if you'll confess and believe in your heart, 
then you can be saved. And if you're willing to confess that you need him, you're ready to call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, put your hand up right now. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. Got you, dude. Yes. Anyone else? Got you. Yes. I got you right here, bro. As soon as we make eye contact, right here in the middle. Thank you, bro. I got you. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender to him. Yes. Yes. It's a lot of men. Satan hates when anybody gets saved, but he especially hates it when a man gets saved because God has called us, created us to lead. And especially when we're leading in a home, man, Satan hates it when a dad, when a husband gets saved. Anybody else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay. Anybody else? Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for every person. Thank you especially for those that are coming to that point right now where they, they're declaring, they're confessing that they need you, Jesus. And I thank you that you're faithful to meet with them right there. If you raise your hand, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. You can say this just from your heart, loud enough for your own ears to hear it. At some point, you need to go public with your faith. This next week, we'll have a water baptism opportunity. That's a great time to go public with your faith. But right there, just say this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you rose from the grave. You defeated sin and death so that I can always come to you when I mess up and find grace and find forgiveness so that I can have the hope of heaven. And I'm so excited to spend eternity in heaven with you. But I wanna fulfill my purpose now. So lead me by the power of your spirit. Help me to have a passion and hunger for your word. Help me to be connected with the body of Christ and biblical community so I can grow and be encouraged and be challenged. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Be my Lord, be my savior. Father, thank you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. We're gonna worship the Lord one more time. And when we begin to worship here in a little bit, if you need prayer for anything that's going on in your life, our prayer team's down here. It may be related to the subject of the sermon or completely unrelated. Either way, if you're burdened for anything, there's no reason to leave this place feeling burdened. God is good, he's faithful, and he's here to meet with you. And sometimes you just need to join your faith with somebody else's. So we'd love to pray for you. We started this whole series with a message from our lead pastor, Pastor Rick. And towards the end of that message, he was speaking, but it was the prayer of our church. And I want us to listen to a little bit of that prayer one more time. 
before we worship again. I always like to pray for a church that sincerely wants to experience all of what Jesus wants. A church that hungers and seeks God with all of their heart, soul, and strength. I pray for a church that is fully devoted. I hope for a church that lives with integrity, fights for truth, and encourages one another daily. I pray for a church that is quick to serve the widows, consistently given to the poor and the hungry. A church that reaches over to every type of person, people that don't look like us, people that do, every generation. We pray for a church like this. This is the church that God sees. This is the Arkansas God sees. I pray for a church that doesn't change the word around the world just so we can fit into the culture that is around us. I pray for a church with godly convictions, unmovable convictions, a church who fears the Lord in every decision they make. Like there's just a a sense of sacredness towards his name. The kind of people who want to give to a church and they do give. They show up and they're ready to serve. I pray for a church that reaches out and and not just in. I pray for a church like this. This is the church that God sees. This is the Arkansas God sees. I pray for a church that sees the heartache in the people of our state. A church that doesn't hide from that. A church that looks over and they try to make a difference every day, whether they're at home or at school or at work in their neighborhood. This is the church that God sees. I pray for a church that fully understands the power of his name, the grace that he has for us, the forgiveness. A church where we forgive one another when we hurt one another. I pray for a church that opens the Bibles together. The church might be large, but we're growing smaller simultaneously in relationships and in devotions daily. I pray for a church that does this with a sense of respect and they walk daily with the fear of God. I pray for a church that values souls, that prays for other churches that works with other churches and their focus is not on getting all the glory and all the credit. In fact, I pray for a church that doesn't care who gets the credit. We just want to get the work done. I pray for a church that is humble and that they turn from their wicked ways. In fact, when they pray, they say, God, please heal our land. And God hears their repentance and he does hear from heaven and he heals their land. This is the kind of church that we pray for. This is the Arkansas that God sees. I see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is the Great Commission. This is the Arkansas God sees. And that's plan A. Please remember, there is no plan B.